Today is May 4th, 2021. To some people, that may be significant if you have an intimate connection with the Star Wars films or franchise. I personally have only seen the first one, and that was some time ago, and I don't remember much about it. Actually, I saw Rogue One as well, and I had a decent time. Um, so today is not significant to me other than the fact that it is the day that I happen to be alive and breathing and looking at things and uh, observing the clouds move across the sky, so it's significant for that matter. But for those of you that are listening that enjoy Star Wars a great amount, I'm really happy for you, and I hope you get to indulge today, and I hope you get to play that game, and that Star Wars rocks your world this morning. I am grooving to the utmost groove. I've watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World two times, two nights in a row, last night and the night before, both in Dolby Cinema. This is not an advertisement, but it was in Dolby Cinema at AMC. And I just want to say that I'm I'm exaggerating and emphasizing that it was in Dolby because it mattered that it was in Dolby. So the film was remastered uh, in the audio sense and in the visual sense, and it shook my bones and it shook my soul violently into the cosmos two nights in a row. I watched the same footage two nights in a row and I felt different each night. There came the sense many times where my body started to disappear a bit because it was just one singular vibration throughout the whole theater surrounding my entire skeleton. So if you have the chance to see Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in theaters, specifically in Dolby Cinema, surround sound, I cannot recommend it enough. I repeat, I cannot recommend it enough. That's kind of what it feels like to be in the theater. Like, the, the bass is just kissing your ears a little bit. And, uh, man. Yeah, I'd say I'm speechless, but I said a great deal about it. Uh, but I was in a wordless place for many hours after both viewings. Besides that, I've started a puzzle recently. The puzzle is a photo, a very realistic photograph of planet Earth. And that's cool, because when I start a puzzle, I usually do the edges of the puzzle. Which I did here, except this edge is circular. So I have finished uh, constructing the the border of planet Earth, and that's as far as I've gotten, and I think I'm going to go knock some of it out right after I'm done speaking to you. The person that I spoke to for this episode is a lovely, lovely creative soul, Adam Bozowski. He did the composition for the beautiful film Saint Maud, the A24 film that came out, came out with some strange timing. I remember seeing the trailer for it a couple years ago, and then, you know, this whole thing happened. Uh, but I finally got around to watching it, and I got around to speaking with Adam. And man, what a dark, beautiful, soulful film. Another uh, fantastic entry in this strange sort of space. We've found ourselves in the past three, four years of psychological horror films that are at once beautiful and terrifying. I'm thinking of Midsummer. I'm thinking of Color Out of Space. Mandy, Hereditary, etc., The Witch, The Lighthouse, yes. So these sorts of films are teetering between really, really difficult to watch and absolutely uh, breathtaking and almost divine in many ways. And Saint Maud, I think, exemplifies the idea that the brightest stars burn out the fastest sometimes, and you can take that as you will. But I can't recommend it enough. And I can't recommend this person, this human, Adam, enough. We got right into it, wasted no time, and I hope that you enjoy listening to words come out of his mouth as much as I enjoyed listening to them in real time. 
Have a lovely day. Tell the people that you love that you love them. Before you take a bite of your next meal, think about all the different folks that had to exist and work in order to make that meal possible for you. I'm talking from the plate that you're eating on to the silverware you're eating with to the cup you're drinking out of, every ingredient, every seasoning, it all came from somewhere. And if you think about it enough, you'll find that it circles back to you and then you can enjoy your meal properly. It'll taste so fresh, I guarantee it. So have a great day, I love you, and happy Star Wars Day. cold that's why i've got all of my my layers on goodness what's it like outside it's horrible man it's gray miserable foreboding all of those things what about you <laughs> um i'm in a weird spot i'm in michigan right now okay this is a quaint little state in the u.s um yeah we've been going through a lot of changes it was snowing in like 20 degrees and then it was like 45 50 that's Fahrenheit. Um, so it's all up in the air right now. I'm just kind of going with it. I think it's a little chilly this morning. Michigan's, is that, that borders Canada? Yeah, right next to Canada, yep. Mm. Right up Mich there with it. Michigan. How's, how's everything been for you? In what way, man, in general? Well, you know, mentally, physically, like are you going out? Are you not going out? Um, well, I work. I have a job. That's really the only place I go out to. Uh, occasionally, I will go to the store to get food. I went to Goodwill for the first time uh, last weekend with my mom. And that was the first time I really went out to a recreational kind of spot in months. Uh, in general, I just go to work, hang out. I like to go uh, for walks in nature parks. Oh, on yeah. My, on my lonesome. I do that quite a bit or try to. I stopped. Michigan have lots of nice parks, green spaces. Absolutely, man. Yeah. There are a lot of old growth forests where the trees are undisturbed and it's, you just get this sensation of being sucked in, mm. completely separated. Such a vast country, US. You must have a lot of land to cover. Yeah, I went to I went to Montana uh, earlier. Ah. Earlier last year. And Montana is nothing but open space. Yeah, open yeah, sky. yeah. I think my, my buddy's there. I need to go and see him one day. I haven't seen him since high school. I think he left to go and help his mum run her business. Uh -huh. He just said it was like the most beautiful place. So that It is, nice. man. It's There's nothing but space to think. And beautiful. you drive for hours and hours and all you see is cows and mountains. That's it. I'm into it. Take I, me there. Yeah, man. What about you? Have you been going out, seeing the sights? <laughs> no, I mean I'm in London, so it's it's yeah. very um it's very dense in London. Luckily, I'm in um a quite a quite a leafy suburb. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't drive, and I don't want to take public transport because mm. um, I'm scared of <laughs> my life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the lives of others. So I kind of have only really been circling a two mile two and a half mile radius around my house mm -hmm. uh, which i'm kind of tiring of greatly how long have you been doing that for about a year <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Well, to answer your mental question, uh, I've taken this up uh, this time to look inward and I've, okay. I've found out a lot. I've been chilling. So what mentally I've been sound. Huh? What do you say? You said you've been looking inward. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what did you see on the inside? Well, I saw uh, a peace and a calm that exists beyond all of this jazz. Oh, wow. And that's you, allowed. You found in a nirvana. A very yeah, I did it, man. I'm enlightened. Uh, yeah. I'm there. <laughs> Rich little too. <laughs> Thanks, man. I worked real hard to get there. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, I had to find a spot. So I've been meditating real, 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 real. I've just been meditating, chilling out. Did you do that before? I meditated a little bit before, but um, starting in March of last year, when I wasn't doing anything at all, but waking up and going to sleep, I really got into just sitting and being with what is. And that's the place to be, I've found. What, for like an hour or so a day? 20 minutes? Depends. Depends on where I'm at. Depends on what I'm feeling. Um, 20, 30 minutes is usually a good spot in the, I try to wake up and do it immediately before the thinking mind starts going so okay. i get to that place before i start the day have you got um, a mantra i'm not gonna ask for it but have you got one um i've got definitely a few i'm welcome i'm welcome to share it with you um i would say i would say the i would say there's two that i repeat more so than any others and one is in love with god hiding mm. so that's a combination of um this one this train of thought just about being in love with everything just kind of falling in love with everything that's around you reaching into the love that's uh inside and then hiding i i i took that from this idea that um god which is you know quite a used term um you can call it consciousness thusness the ground of being the organic nature of whatever the idea that that is sort of um pretending that it's not itself between folks that there's this sort of separateness like i'm keaton you're you and uh being in love with the tricky ways in which the ego uh convinces itself that it's not each other so you know all the all the things that make me me and all the things that make you you are just this fun uh, list of games that we play. So in love with God hiding, I say that a lot because if I'm met with a moment of impatience or someone's being aggressive or I'm uh, feeling challenged or annoyed in some way, I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, I see it's hiding. <laughs> it's tricking me. You know, it's it's getting me into my uh, thoughts. So that brings me there. And then, of course, uh, be here now. Ah, just the, you know, classic, just classic. Yep. That's very inspiring. I, I, I do long to to reach that state of, I mean, all it takes is just to do it, isn't it? You've got to do it. But <laughs> That's like, the trick, man. It's the easiest thing to do, but. I know, right? But like, <laughs> especially with lockdown, like everything, everything feels too much. And so you're just in, totally inactive all the time because you're paralyzed with choice. And yet, lack of choice. So, maybe I'll maybe I'll try and do that. Yeah, I I guess uh, the trick is to stop feeling like you're you 
you know because mm-hmm. as long as you feel like you're this human stuck in this ah the pandemic and blah blah blah, blah you know that's a that's a pretty tough spot to be in but if you can get to a an objective non-judgmental place where you're just kind of watching it all go down as this big uh relationship this big function of organic matter dying and living and doing this you know you can see it more as a game uh yeah so that's what i got i like it well great style already you've inspired me to, to become more zen absolutely man i'm uh i'm always here you're I thanks for um, doing it so early as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you accommodating uh, the time zone difference. Of course, brother. I woke up and watched St. Maude actually this morning. Just, <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I just got done watching it. <laughs> that is a heavy way to start the day. <laughs> yeah. The brightest stars burn out the fastest, you know. Okay. And how did you find it? Well, I was definitely paying attention to the music quite a bit. Um, so that I found to be, let me think if I can find a word for it. It, it was, I don't, the word perfect doesn't really work, but it fit. I think mm. the music fit a lot. It was, uh, it was subtle when it needed to be, and it was um, in motion with the plot when it needed to be. So the music I was really into. And the reason being is that I'm also right now working on a short film and doing the music for it. And it's also a horror film about God. And so I've been using drones and that sort of thing. So I was taking notes and just kind of like thinking like, so what can I get away with? You know, like what kind of, what kind of sounds are going to work here and there? So that was really cool um, watching it musically. And then as for the film itself, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I was on Maude's side for a while and I was just kind of figuring out what she was up to. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that the devil scene really just rocked my world. <laughs> I said, holy shit, right out loud. <laughs> yeah, it got me every time, man. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that scene like, I don't know, 40 times. It always got me. <laughs> every time. Well, it's definitely one of those movies where you're not getting told what's going on. You're just seeing what's going on and so you're like okay is she in a psychotic sort of area or is there an actual divine uh situation going on right now and i like that it ended without there being an answer to that um as things usually are so i was into it i was very into it It, i liked it for a morning movie it was actually (laughs) it was very calm for a while lots of beautiful waves and uh bleak skies like you said and yeah i watched it on a nice speaker system so the drones and the bass was like really good really good like setting the feeling i really liked um i think you did a video about a certain moment a certain cue where she's is that out already i saw it on youtube it was like it was like a couple minutes it was you were talking about how the theme that was playing was what she thought was her theme if that Mm. and then that happened like much later. It wasn't the same exact shots, but it was very similar shots with the door and everything. But the music was totally different. It was much darker and like deeper and heavier. And I I really enjoyed that. I, I liked seeing a sort of, um, yeah. Her transformation wasn't like, it wasn't like a switch flipped, but. No, well, because you're always, 
it's always from her perspective everything from her her mm. point of view so there's no like flip the script or like you know third person viewing you just kind of got her interactions with other people and so it moves very casually and slowly through this journey and mm -hmm. you're never really sure where she's going to go with it and until it's too late which I, is what i love about the film i thought she was a really beautiful casting choice too yeah. like she has such a wonderful face to look at for what themes are being presented in the movie i think like she's got this plainness but also this sort of I don't know, there's like a blankness to it too, like in her eyes and you're just like, what's going on in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's kind of like, got like a, definitely like a blank canvas vibe, but you know, she's got great range. I saw, I saw uh, Morpheth in um, a film called, I can't remember the full title, but it's the, the David Copper, Copperfield by Amanda Inucci, uh, which is like a comedy uh, based on the book. And she's in that and her comic timing in that is, sensational she's really like such yeah she's really really funny um so it's nice to see and also there's bits in, in saint maud as well where, where there's like you know very veiled dark comedy in there yeah um, she hits those notes so well amanda's character definitely had that sort of darkness yeah well she's got that dry american wit um which works so well mm -hmm. i think in the film I was also really, I was really into the, the physiological reactions that Maud had to God, like the moaning yeah. and the gasping and the writhing. I was like, I was really sitting with that because yeah, that's a, we call those the Godgasms. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. And it's so interesting because um, I went, I remember when we were the first few edits, um, the passes from the VFX company, mm -hmm. and they really ramped up the kind of like the mouth and face, you know, yeah. um, evolving and changing. And it, it, they, I'm glad that Rose pulled it back because it's much more subtle. You know, the kind of body horror aspect of it is far more subtle, uh -huh. um, which kind of makes you think like, did it happen or is it just kind of <laughs> uh -huh. just unlocking her jaw or something? Yeah, and it stopped it stopped quickly every time. I loved that. It didn't like build and build and build. And then she had this, like, like she would be in the middle of a gasp and then it would just onto the yeah. next, onto the next. I think scene. that's the, the restraint that, that Rose shows in that film, I think is so, it, it's, it's almost bold in itself to not be like, okay, well now she, you know, we're going to go full body horror or whatever. It's like, you know, people say slow burn, but um, really I just think it's just, a nice gradual and uh, ambiguous shift that kind of makes things a bit creepy rather than like overtly scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what I'm loving about this film and other movies that are coming out, like, especially like hereditary midsummer, uh, the lodge people are being like horrific, but there's, there's a, there's a great beauty behind the horror, especially something like midsummer where it's like, the line between like true divinity and like beauty and ecstasy versus like what is just traditionally like horror, like thinking of like a villainous character is like really blurry. I think these days in a lot of psychological horror films. And I'm, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a very smart evolution of, I think the original conceit, which is 
using a kind of fantastical genre mm. to explore um, relatively mundane aspects of human life, you know, like grief and loneliness and, you know, interfamily sparring, mm. you know, because all of those, all those Ari Aster films are really just about family dynamics and grief. Mm-hmm. And then they're thrust upon an extraordinarily beautiful array of visual uh, choices, you know, and, and, and weird narrative. But at its core, and the same with Maud, you know, so Maud is just about loneliness, really, and someone being thrust into a position that no one is helping her mm-hmm. uh, and her coping mechanism leads to some horrible things. Um, and if you were to make it a non-genre film, it would be like a drama that's incredibly depressing. Um, <laughs> and in this way, mm-hmm. it's kind of like really intense and weird whilst also being super bleak, uh, which is why I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought of a lot while watching it, especially right before Little Miss turned into the devil. And she <laughs> says, you're the, she says like, you're the loneliest girl. Um, and I was thinking about something that I read once about God and loneliness and how the path, the path to divinity can be a lonely one, but you're never alone on it. If you're truly feeling it, meaning like others around you may not be understanding the path that you're on, but if you're really like one with, you know, whatever it is you want to call it, you're not really alone because everybody around you is included in that sort of, um, thinking i don't think maude was necessarily there she definitely had the me and then god like a separate kind of entity looking down but i I, there's a i think there's a way to watch that movie in which it's a beautiful transition of um enlightenment like the the dark night of the soul is a long poem by a saint and it's all about that about how like before you reach ecstasy of the Lord or whatever it is, you go through these really dark, deep pits of the soul where you're just at your lowest of your low and then you pop out uh, brightest. So I was thinking about that too while watching it, like this is her dark night. Um, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. But um, ultimately, I think she was misguided. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I think that that's the great thing about uh, all, all creative mediums is is people's different take on it mm. is is what makes you know those things wonderful. It's the same with you know paintings or literature, yeah. Yeah. whatever it may be. It's once you make it, uh, you no longer have authority over it. You know, it, it is relinquished unto the audience, and they imprint their own meaning onto it and that's if that sparks a conversation then you know you've you've done your job whether or not people say it's good or not Uh uh-huh it's irrelevant my friends and i were talking about this how like as soon as art is done being made it's never the same like because each time it's looked at even if it's by the creator it's going to be a different experience like even me looking at a painting that i've done you know, that I've looked at many times, every time I look at it, I'm going to see something different. I'm going to feel something different. I can attach something different to it. Yeah. And I, I think that's rad about, about things that are made. 
Is that once, once they're out there, it's like, whoa. And I, 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 I love when people have just opposite opinions about things. Yeah. Like just completely opposite. Like I, I got this from this and I didn't like it at all. And this person's like, well, it's one of the best things I've ever experienced. And I loved it for this reason. Like neither of them are right. And that's just awesome. <laughs> because yeah. But it, it, it took me a really long time to understand that. Because when, when I was a kid, you mm. know, it was like, well, you either like Slipknot and Limp or you like <laughs> Limp Bizkit. You can't like both, you know. Or, you know, you, you like Destiny's Child or you like Bach. <laughs> like, you can't, it's, you, there's no in-between. Mm. And then, like, you know, almost the next day, I was like, well, I like all four of those bands. Uh, <laughs> and Bach's not a band, but, you know, and... And the kind of almost, I feel like sometimes Twitter and social media um, kind of push a wedge between us um, where we need to put, put ourselves in these little boxes and say, I am team A mm-hmm. and you're team B and there's no reconciliation between the two rather than a discussion of, well, I, I see what you see, but do you see what I see kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously I've, I've now become obsessed with following what people are saying about St. Maud on Twitter, um, and I, which is really, really toxic and I should not do that, but I'm like obsessed with it and I can't stop myself. Um, and Acknowledgement yeah. is the first step, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll acknowledge all day, but I'll never stop. <laughs> and I wonder, as you know, I see people say like, you know, WTF, St. Maud is not scary. What a shit film. And I just want to write like, is because it's not scary doesn't mean it's rubbish. Like, can uh-huh. you not can you not see anything else beyond? You know, what, what about how beautiful it looks? Can you not like uh-huh. agree that like it's shot so well? You know, but like obviously I don't engage because that's dangerous. <laughs> that's but right. it's um, that I think um, when you can overcome your your ego to ap- appreciate a counter point of view to your own, I think that's like such an important step for the appreciation of people and art, you know? Yeah, you, you, you got to learn to, you got to learn to play your game really well. Like for whatever reason, I love what I love, you know, like certain things sound great to me. Certain things don't sound great to me, but you got to learn not to get caught up in thinking that that's actually how it is. Like the things that I think are great aren't inherently great. There's nothing great about them. That just happens to be, my body, my, the things that I learned in my life, the people in my life who have shown me what they've shown me, that's happened to make me think, oh, that's cool. And looking beyond that to just seeing like, well, that person's playing their game. You know, they mm. think that that, they think what I think is great, isn't great. And that's just their game. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I think, I think there's a, a lack of like loving being disagreed with because I, I think it's a fascinating feeling. I love it when somebody like yesterday, have you seen Life of Pi by chance, the film? Yeah. So a person yesterday just brought up Life of Pi and they were like, have you seen Life of Pi? And I said, yeah, it's a really beautiful film. That's, that's an incredibly impactful film for me, like spiritual, just gorgeous to look at the music, all of the above. And they didn't like it at all. They were like, I just mm. didn't, I didn't enjoy it. And I loved that feeling. I was like, wow, mm. how far out that you just like, there's something that I love and you don't. And that's cool. Were they able to express succinctly what, what they didn't like about it? Uh, they didn't give me much. They said, so there's a guy and he's on a boat with a tiger. And uh, I was just waiting for something to happen. And nothing sure. happened. So, and she was like, when was it going to happen? And I was like, 
well first of all i said well maybe that's the point you know a lot of that is the point that it's a meditative movie um also something did happen his boat sank <laughs> a lot <laughs> happens in that film <laughs> yeah and then i was like well what about um what do you think of the meerkat island like when he stops at the island and like the the lake turns acidic at night so the meerkats have to stay in the tree or else the vines kill organic beings on there like that's some pretty groovy stuff and she was like what what part was that i don't remember that part she just checked out i think <laughs> but i think that's such an important thing you know and I, and I had the same thing specifically with horror movies and it's expectation uh versus reality and an expectation can be such a killer for your enjoyment of something and you know it's the same with bands you know like your favorite band brings out a new record and you're like great i can't wait to see slash hear that you know the same classic thing that they do and then yeah it's like hold on you're a disco band why are you making a rock album uh you know as if people aren't allowed to have range and you know and like it's the same thing i was saying before i go to see a horror film to feel scared and it's like no that's not that's not their job mm-hmm. their, their job is they're telling a story in the way they want to tell it and mm-hmm. i think working in film recently has made me massively appreciate every facet that goes into a film you know the way it's it's shot the the technical aspects of how um it was framed you know the sound the music sure but the the, the lighting the costume every aspect and you're like hundreds of people made this frame possible how can i say this film is shit when <laughs> so much work mm. i mean not that like the amount of work is formulaically responsible for how good something is but you know you have to appreciate the story that's being told and the way it's being told and just let them do it i watched um ham on rye the other day i think that's what it's called have you, have you seen this film I'm not literally finished. so little happens in this film um but it was wonderful it was incredible it was like a fever dream it made it was almost nonsensical but like it was very bizarre and i think many people would hate that film because they just say well that was a load of trash like nothing occurs in it mm-hmm. but you know luck- luckily um I thought it was great and I would recommend everyone to watch it just for an hour and a half of like weirdness. Yeah, it's it's all about the experience, man. You can get to a point where good or good or bad, ugly or pretty, the experience is always formative. Something comes from it. Even like I love watching a movie that I don't like at all. Cuz <laughs> cuz then cuz then I get to sit with why don't I like that? You know, <clears throat> what, what about it am I am I not a fan of? And then I usually I just laugh at it cuz I'm like what do I know? <laughs> yeah, they, they made it. And it's awesome. You know, I think the toughest thing for me is when I watch something that bores me. Um, sure. But but even even boredom is a fascinating feeling. Because you're like, well, why am I bored? You know, what? Yeah. What is it that's not stimulating me? But yeah. Yeah. What was the last film you were bored by? Do you know? The last film I was bored by. Um, I watched the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> Have you Dude. seen that? I don't know why you would ever press play on that film. My my parents and I, once in a while, we have a tin full of uh, movies. And we put in like, I think 10 different genres and we all put in a film from each. And my mother's pick for comedy was the Brady Bunch movie. So we all watched the Brady Bunch movie together. Now, a couple things happened with this movie. First of all, I never watched the Brady Bunch. 
obviously yeah. before my time and I never got around to it. So a lot of the irony and the sort of like parody type references in the film were completely lost on me. And so in that film, I was just, I was rather bored. I was just, I wasn't laughing at the jokes. Um, wasn't really enjoying it. Yeah, so, it's kind of dated, I suppose. Yeah, yeah and, and what's funny, it, so it was made in the 90s. Mm. So it's supposed to be like the Brady Bunch comes to present day. But right. the 90s reference are so hardcore that even that is now dated. Thanks, pal. Is that your dog? Yeah, I've got a dash hound named Professor. Sometimes he has lectures. I hope we get to see the dog by the end of the interview. <laughs> we'll see if he makes an appearance. <laughs> so yeah, the Brady Bunch movie uh, left me lacking. There were a couple moments where I blew air out of my nose, but <laughs> as, as a laugh, as a as yeah, like, like okay, I get what you guys are going for, but I never did, once did, like laughed out loud. Did your mom enjoy it? Oh, she had a great time, and so well, for that for that reason, I loved it, and so did my dad. Does your mum do that thing where she laughs at the movie and then she turns to you to be to be like make sure that you you're doing the enjoyment too? Yes, she does, and it's tough because I'm not one to fake. <laughs> like <laughs> when it comes to real life or TV or movies, like I'm not gonna pretend that I find something funny that I don't. Um, and and laughter is originally like a way to express to others around you that you're looking at something funny so it's like ha 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 look mm. you should laugh too i'm laughing mm -hmm. so sometimes i laugh just because they're laughing i'm like ah the joy in the air yeah of course and yeah. when i laugh at something especially like the brady bunch movie the couple times that i did laugh they got a huge roar out of it because they were like oh wow he liked that <laughs> but was it something that they didn't like even find remotely funny I don't know. I mean, they were laughing pretty regularly just because of the, I think that's a nostalgic movie for them in general. So like the, the movie itself is one of those things where you're just kind of excited to experience it again. So the whole time you're like more eager to laugh at it. So they were yeah. kind of giggling the whole time. So when I would giggle a little bit, they just loved it. They got a, that's they got so a, sweet. yeah. So and sweet. they do something also that I've been working with where I like, I like to sit with the movie when I'm finished with it. Sure. Watch the credits, let the music hit me. Especially, by the way, St. Maud's credits. Wow. <laughs> like Thanks, man. That, that's my favorite piece. That piece. <laughs> I, I loved it. I was like, whoa, what is this? So yeah, um, when a movie ends, I like to sit with it. And my parents are the type to like, as soon as the movie's over, they're like, so what'd you think? What'd you think of it? How was it? Did you enjoy it? And like, I'm just like, hey, man, let's just, I just want to- just too zen for them now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm above, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no and I, I said i said that i was like do you guys mind if we just like sit with the movie for a second and then it created this weird air of like are you ready for me to ask you how you enjoyed it <laughs> oh, God. expectation that's even yeah. more uncomfortable yeah i know so it, it's a, it's a tough so now you sometimes you just got to play the game though you know sometimes I'm like you know what i loved it it's great uh, but and i then, do think people are too eager to you know that i think that's what one good thing about not that they invented this, but the Marvel movies now always have end credit, post-credit scenes. Yeah. So um, I feel like it's it's created a, a culture, hopefully, of more people sticking through the end mm. um, credits to see those little Easter eggs, those little um, treats at the end. 
And that's why I really like that cue at the end of, the, of St. Maud, because <clears throat> not, not many people know it exists. Because they won't watch the end. They'll just like, leave and be like, oh, that's depressing. Well, let's go. <laughs> yeah, people, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, people don't like to sit still, you know, like the thinking mind goes a lot. And so that's what it is. Like, as soon as you're done with the suspension of just watching them, then it's like, okay, I'm back to life. What do you think mm. of the movie? Did you see that thing in the movie? That was great. That was cool. You know, and that's what's beautiful about movies is that it puts you in that spot. It's a med it's an incredibly meditative thing to do. Cause you're just, I'm just here with this moment. I'm not doing anything. I'm just being, I'm just being with this, you know, and those are the best kinds of movies when you're not even, you're not thinking, you know, cause yeah. Certain movies, you'll think if you're not enjoying them too much or whatever, you'll think like, what does that look like that for? Like, oh, this is weird. Like, what are they doing? You know, but if you're just like with it, like, whoa, like movies that just take you on a ride. I think that's it. So well, that's why cinemas are so important, because there is a um, an inbuilt etiquette that comes with it. Mm-hmm. that's so different to when you're watching a movie at home. You know, you won't. I'll it's you know, the addiction of the phone is so real and you're like, you're sitting at home on the sofa and suddenly you're like reaching over to grab the phone. You're like, no, 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 I, I need to sit with the film, like focus uh-huh. with uh-huh. the cinema. You're like, well, it's, I can't look at my phone because it's it's just not how it's done. I've paid to be here and yeah. I... Uh... <laughs> but also it's so loud. It, it, it kind of like grabs <laughs> you by the throat. You're like, okay, I'm here. Like I'm, I'm uh-huh. ready. I've really um, tried to watch films in the basement and leave my phone upstairs so that I don't have that because yeah I've definitely felt that where I'm going to my phone or if I see someone I'm like what's that guy has that guy been in something else you know and for whatever reason in the theater I'm not even I don't care I'm on to the next thing you know I'm not going to look that up but at home I'm chilling so I'm like I can look up and see what that guy's been in before. yeah my girlfriend does that all the time all the time she's like <laughs> oh, I gotta know what he's in and like you know she could she could do her own thing but like <laughs> I want to be like, no, you can't put the phone down, you know, <laughs> being a grouch about it. But um, so I miss cinema so much. I'd like, you know, I'd gotten so into going to the cinema once a week, just like right before the Panny D had, had dropped. And uh, did you ever have like movie pass or anything? I was Come literally on. about to buy like several for my local <laughs> cinema, you know. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't in the end. I only started going to movies alone a couple of years ago and it is riveting. It is yeah. such a good experience. I used to, I used to be like, cause in London, I don't know about your prices in, in Michigan, but like mm-hmm. it is pricey. You know, it's like, it's pretty expensive here. It's like, it's 14 like bucks. So uh, 14 yeah. quid. So what's, 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 what do you pay? I pay, well, we're like a couple dollars more, I think than, than your currency. So, I say a movie ticket is usually like ten dollars for a regular ticket, fifteen for like IMAX or like bigger screens, um, and then smaller theaters sometimes are like fifteen. 30, it's usually like it's between like ten to fifteen dollars. Someone there and there. Okay, I, I um, think ours would probably be in London, and the average would be somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five dollars. Mm. I would say, but we uh, in Southeast London. You could get one for five pounds, so mm-hmm. that's like two two bucks or something. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I'm the phone's ringing. No worries.
yeah, so we we had this cinema that was like you know two dollars fifty, and mm. you're like, I was going to the cinema like every day because <laughs> yeah. you know that's like change on the floor. You know? <laughs> like, push my hand down the sofa, grab a couple of quid, go to the cinema. While we're on the topic of phones and people, this is something I usually don't spend time talking about. But do you go to concerts? I assume or used to back. Oh in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the days of your. Uh, I remember concerts. <laughs> concerts <laughs> um yeah people like especially like when i go to a a younger band or like a usually a hip-hop show like folks are really on their phones these days and it like i did that until i was about i'd say once i was like 16 17 was when i stopped like having that feeling of like ah i need to record this um and i'm so thankful i lost that feeling because it's such a burden i think mm-hmm. Like, and that, that's a weird feeling for me, especially I went to see Brock Hampton. That was the last show I saw, actually. I saw Brock Hampton in November of 2019. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a hip hop show. So like, I was like raging, like in the pit, jumping up and down. And the majority of folks were like, they weren't enjoying the feeling of the music because they were recording it. And that was a really strange experience for me because then I was the outlier and people were acting like I was like, they were like, whoa, you know. What, what do you do? Why aren't you looking at your phone? <laughs> Record it's, this. It's a, it's a strange compulsion to live the moment through a smaller screen for what? For posterity? For later? Um, you know, people people do what they want. You know, I, I, I definitely, I'm not a fan of getting your phone out during a show. But if people, if that's how people want to live, that's you know that's their yeah. choice. But um, yeah, I just don't see the the point. You know, it it seems pointless, and I wonder if almost it's that kind of thing, perhaps like a herd mentality, like well everyone else is doing it, so maybe I'll maybe that's what I should be doing. But I I used to have this weird thing talking about being in the cinema and being present mentally. I had this weird thing when <laughs> when I went to shows if I was really enjoying it, and in fact, the more I enjoyed something, this would happen more frequently, I would suddenly be aware that I was uh, in a space and not aware of what was happening outside of the space or outside of the venue. And it was kind of this weird out of body experience of where I was like, I'm having such a good time here, but outside of these walls, World War Three could have started and I could just like be completely oblivious to it. And it was this really weird kind of, I, I, I don't know what it was, but it happened all the time. Like I was getting incredibly conscious of the world outside the walls where I was having a good time. I don't know why, why, that was, why it was doing that. I think that's equanimity, man. Oh, yeah? The feeling of, I think the inner peace came and so the outer piece was there that, you know, no matter what's going on, this feeling is possible. So it's like the inverse must be also, yeah. the, you know, every, every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. So if I'm feeling so good, someone else is feeling so bad. It's so distracting because you just want to be like, I paid 20 bucks to see this man play this piano. Why can I not just enjoy it? <laughs> Instead of thinking about perhaps that, you know, London's been leveled. 
I I think that's I think that's a step towards the towards the goodness, man. Is is like because you can't get attached to the good even when it's great. Because then you, I think you fall into that kind of like like yeah, you think about the bad. But if you can get to the place where, you know, when great is great, it's great, and when bad is bad, it's just bad, and you're not too focused on either of those things. And like I said before, like you can just watch it all as just like, wow, I happen to be extremely elated right now. Mm. And mm. that's that's really cool. <laughs> I'm really happy to like watch that, you know. Um, and then when when you're in a bad spot, you can think, well, I've been good before. Somebody else is probably really good right now. <laughs> like, yeah. And then you can, you know, you can groove with your thing. You can groove with whatever you're working with that day. So see, that is why we don't have time to look at our phones because we're a bit too busy being yin and yang philosophical during <laughs> a, a show. <laughs> yeah. I had that once. I took an edible before a show, mm. and like, it was before I kind of like understood my body's ability and like what it could handle. And I just spent the whole show just thinking. Like yeah. I was thinking like hard. It was the 1975 in like Ohio, I think. Nice. And I was just like, like it was an amazing show. Like they're just incredible showmen. But I remember the whole time I was just thinking. I don't know why. Yeah. I was just thinking about my life. I was thinking about you were like, high, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that was before I could like figure out because there's because when you're high, you either go, you go think mode times a thousand, or you go thoughtless into oblivion, which is the yeah. You know, that's that's where you want to be. It's just vacant, just there, you know. And so I was just thinking, like, what what music am I making? What am I going to do with my life? Like, <laughs> I was thinking, like, I'm watching a show. What? Why did I pick? Why did my brain pick right now to like do that? Yeah, it's weird, yeah. man. I went well, to another show. You know, explosions in the sky are. Oh course dude first time i ever saw them my friend and i took out of wolves because i was expecting that to be like like you were saying like deeply like like i've seen godspeed you black emperor mm. or explosions so I, and i saw them in the front row and like beyond my decision making godspeed sent me like like my i felt like my cells were just flying out into the stratosphere because it was just so much noise and so, it was just like consuming so I expected that with explosions and my friend was so gone. Like he kept falling asleep, which blew my mind. Cause this is like the loudest. There's like six guitarists on stage. Just fucking. Are you, were you standing or sitting? Sitting, sitting okay. really interestingly. It was like, it was like a really nice theater and we were sitting. It was a really small and nice theater. And I kept looking over and he was just like, he was like what nodding year, what off. What year is this that you were, you were watching? Um, I want to say 2018. Maybe like oh October. right, okay. So quite recently. Yeah, like October 2018, maybe. Um, oh, that was man. weird. I had a really strange experience at that show where. Oh, what happened? It was like it was between songs, and. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Like the, it was the strangest feeling I've like ever had. It was between songs, and for just a moment, it was silent. Hmm. And for whatever reason, I heard a bunch of like small laughter from in the crowd like people were just like kind of laughing and talking to themselves and I don't know why but in that moment I felt like they were like a studio audience I can't really explain the feeling but it was this, it was this totally out of this world feeling because there was just red light 
So everybody was like soaked in red. And I just heard like this, like laughter. And it was like, <laughs> like little like trickling giggles. And I was just watching like, what is going on here? Like, do these people know something that I don't know? <laughs> I miss those moments. What you're describing is just like, it's so, feels so alien right now. I have, I have had like such little experience. You know, everything is so monochrome right now. Yeah. And all of those beautiful moments that you're describing, like going to a show and yeah. even like not enjoying it, just like the ability <laughs> To be like in a, in a different room, a loud noise playing. I think I need to listen to Explosions in the Sky. That album, um, uh, Earth is Not a Cold Dead Place, it's just like, I remember hearing that for the first time and just... That's one of those bands that wakes you up, man. You're like, It really wow. does. Dude, you want to know, I did the most far out thing when I was in high school. I worked on the newspaper mm-hmm. and I went to an elementary school of like third and fourth graders. And I played Explosions in the Sky for them. And what I track? I played um, like four or five tracks from, what was their most recent one, Disintegration? I, have, I don't know. I haven't listened to them recently. Whatever their most recent one was, which was a couple years ago. It was like more electronic. But I played like four or five songs from that. And I, I, I did this like worksheet where I had like a big square for them to color whatever mm. they felt. And then it was oh, nice. like, it said like, what are you feeling? And what does this make you think of, I think? And that was the most profound thing I ever witnessed in my life because I got to play it and like sit there and watch them. Mm. And they were just like, they were so beautiful the way that they experienced that music because it was in music class. So it was in a music room with like instruments and stuff. So they were ready to like, I guess, like be a part of music. And they wrote the most far out stuff. They wrote like, this makes me think of my dad. This makes me think of stars. Um, This one, like I feel sad. The drawings were of like constellations and like children crying and uh, people holding their dad's hand. There was a lot of stuff about family and like emotion. And it was just like, wow, man. Did you ever tell the band? I never got, I, I didn't get a chance to. <laughs> I know I haven't talked to them. So uh, that's so cool. If like, I do talk I, to them. A couple of my friends are teachers and they've been, um, they're English teachers, uh-huh. uh, so they've been doing like creative writing sessions um, mm. and playing parts of the St. Maud score while they uh, write. Um, and they said it's it's uh, really helped set the mood. And they they their writing has really kind of blossomed in these wow. moments. And so yeah, absolutely. You, you know, when you especially how old are these kids that you that you did fourth grade? So they're probably like six, seven, eight. Yeah, so around about like before, like thirteen, like before puberty really hits and you become yeah. an asshole. That that kind of, you know, the the innocence mm-hmm. and kind of complete like freedom of your association is such there's such a purity to it uh, that you can really access something um, and not and not be embarrassed. You know, I think that's such a such a key thing. It's like yeah. like oh I. I feel this and I'll tell you how I feel because I'm not worried about how you're going to react and how it makes me look. Uh-huh. You don't have that fully formed ego. Yeah. And it's such a, uh, such a beautiful thing uh, to see when kids can interact with uh, things that way. Yeah. There, there's just a precious, I, I love seeing kids. 
And whenever I see kids like in public, I'll just look at them like in the eyes. And some of them, unless they're like, especially shy, they'll just look at you. They're just like, well, they're just absorbing, aren't they? They're, they're, yeah, they're just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I thought about that the other day. Like, <laughs> I've been watching Snowpiercer the series recently. Yeah, um, how is it? Which it's it's really good. Um, actually, it's brilliant. I think it's one of the best Netflix shows because it it has all the budget of oh. Netflix shows, but it doesn't have that really clunky narrative that a lot of um, uh, Netflix shows have, uh -huh. but it's really bleak. And it also feels extremely pertinent in the sense of impending climate doom. Mm. The reason I bring it up is because um, it's always in the back of my mind about what they have to live through. You know, the, the premise is it's 3000 people on a train and they're the last human survivors. Have you seen right? the film? Yeah, I didn't, wasn't, wasn't a huge fan of the film. I haven't seen the film myself. It it's it has its place. I mm -hmm. just think it's a bit too frenetic. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot because there's a there's less pace in the show. It can really draw out the mm -hmm. intricacies of yeah. the political class war that's happening. And I saw this kid, you know, just like cross the cross the road in the pram. So they must have been like barely one years old, and they were just staring at the sky. There was such a face of like curious observation, like what am I looking at? You know, this kind of like like displeasure but also just like oh what is this you know and it just made me and then obviously then I snapped back to Snowpiercer and I'm like well there's nothing there it's all bleak <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I bring that up it's just that kind of um, the duality of like the freedom of this kid being free in the world and just to have no care nothing to worry about just look and see and observe and then when I think about the oppressive dystopia of of a of a future mm. you know where we all live on a train <laughs> there's these are the things that cross my mind currently in lockdown yeah, i mean that's the key is to get back to that place where yeah. you you feel like a child and despite whatever horrific shit that's going on you can look at it with a sense of humor and objective like childlike just like oh yeah oh we're on a train I think one of the best things you can do in the world when you're out and about is look up you know look at look up around you you know because there is so much that you miss when you're looking straight ahead or down at your phone you know there's like even even in my local area even in the 2.5 mile radius that i've been walking over and mm. over again I see new things every day just by tilting my head 90 degrees up, you know? My ceiling's really far out. Like, yeah, or, yeah. or even you see it in your house, you're like, wow, the corners <laughs> of my room are incredibly <laughs> dirty. <laughs> uh, I'm expecting you to see that little bug from St. Maud. Oh in, yeah, in Nancy. She even got credit, Nancy. The bug's name is Nancy? Yeah, she's cockroach. Beautiful performance from Nancy. She deserves all the awards. Man, I'm thinking about that moment where the bug, Nancy, walked over to the little shrine and there was this like, like yeah. wave of energy. I was like, so we're doing this now. Yeah. That Those really subtle brilliant. bits, you know, really. Was that was that um the actress, her voice when she was talking to God? That's right. Yeah, they pitched okay. it down and she's speaking Welsh. 
that was cool. She said, Mom and Dad. Yeah. So if you if you record um, at a really high uh, bit rate, so the you know ninety two, uh-huh. you can when you pitch down, you 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 retain a lot more information, so it doesn't sound so uh, robotic. It, it's it kind of retains the human quality, but it's uh-huh. still really low. Yeah. And that's how you get that really beautiful quality to the the pitch down mm-hmm. voice. So tell me about the movie, man. I am just ecstatic to hear about your process, what you used, how you decided to use what you used, how you got on the project at all. Lay it on me. Um, I was very fortunate to have bumped into an old friend at a party. Whoa. Um, who the Oliver Castle, the producer. Mm-hmm. And this was, I hadn't done any films before, and he was mentioning that he needed a composer. So I forced him to send me <laughs> the treatment. Um, so I didn't get a script. It's got a treatment, which was uh-huh. kind of like a bunch of pictures and a synopsis yeah. and kind of like, you know, director's intent. And then I wrote um, a demo to kind of be like, here's what I think it, this would sound like, mm-hmm. uh, which they really liked. And from then on, I like to make... You know, I, I'm working on my third picture now, so I've done this technique. Hell yeah, man! Three times, and and it, it's to make a little folder of sounds and textures and kind of ideas and sketches for them to use while they're editing. Mm. Because if you are um, constructing your film using temp music. Um, you can get very attached to the temp music to begin with, uh-huh. but also it allows you to try different things in different places, you know, rather than thinking, oh, well, this scene needs happy music. Let's go into the folder that says happy music. Okay, get that here. You know, it, it allows you to be a lot more malleable with your with your, the way you build your film. Mm. So you can drop things in and out in different places. Um and that gives me then a roadmap for what they want to do. And I'm listening to my own music as temp, you know, rather than I don't have to worry about trying to copy someone else, mm. which is really helpful uh, because if you're only having to plagiarize yourself, you don't really feel like you're stealing <laughs> other people's <laughs> ideas, which is very mm. easy to do, mm. um, especially if there's temp music because they're like, well, this one captures that energy. So can you not just basically rip this off without getting sued? <laughs> and that happens all the time. I, I was watching something recently that um, a John Williams piece, one of the most famous ones, I don't even remember which one, possibly Jurassic Park or mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And it's literally like a rip from like a, a Holst piece or something, you know? And he, so even the big guys have to deal with it. Even, yeah. even like, you know, the biggest have to deal with, you know, temp love. In terms of process, I mean, it's like, I, I'm i not really, my music theory is pretty tatty. It's, it's, not, it's not very well constructed. So I don't sit down and, you know, with a manuscript and write things out. I, I, I'm very much like, okay, let's start with a germ of an idea or uh-huh. not even that. Let's just go for a vibe. And I will do this kind of alchemic process of, hours and hours and hours of just experimenting and then you just chop that up and 
see what see what, you know until you find gold basically you're just sifting for gold mm-hmm. um yeah. so what's, what software do you use what instruments do you use so i i use uh, ableton live cool um because it it has a fluidity to it that, that i i now understand it's 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 very um it just really works with the way I, my mind works. I used to use Logic. Um, uh-huh. There is there's a kind of like a, a modular aspect to Ableton. That's where I'm at is Logic. Yeah, and lo- Logic's great. You know the um, the VSTs in Logic are incredible. You know I that's what I, I studied um, music in, in at uni, and that's what we learned. We used how to use Logic and. Mm. The foundation of my understanding of synthesis and sound itself was based entirely on using, uh, you know, the FM synth and all of those, all of those native things. They're, they're so good. If you can create an incredible array of stuff using those those tools, but I work a lot more now with audio, solely audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will record a bunch of sense so, you know some of the score is um based on samples i did with uh, a, a flautist uh, called katie banks who, who i used to live with and we just you know sat for about two hours and made a bunch of weird noises with her flute so not really like i wasn't like okay play this motif or uh-huh. you know play this i just thought i just said you know, imagine you're shouting through the flute or, okay, mm. now I want you to make it sound like a foghorn or whatever. Uh, and then through these germs of an idea, you, you can pick out tiny fragments of melody um, and work that, you know, right to the bone until you create something completely other mm-hmm. than what it's, what it's the original source material. Brand. So where do those where do the drone sounds come from? So a lot of that is like the flute, or you know, I, I got um, an auto harp. You know, I would um, whoa, I would uh, take the auto harp and you know what an auto harp is, right? So it's like this old folk instrument that's kind of like um, it's smaller, yeah. It's yeah, it's small. It's like a like a. I'll look up an image right now. Like a box with um, about 40 strings on it, like a piano. Auto harp. Auto harp. Auto. And um, then it's got these little rows, which can, that kind of mute. Okay, I've I've never seen this before. It says an old English folk instrument. um, This thing looks really, really rad. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of play it across your chest and you press Mm. these bars and they make, the, the the voicing of the chords so rather than like on a guitar where you use your hands to press down the strings uh-huh. you auto harp mutes strings to uh so it's got a, a, a huge amount of polyphony to it so what does it sound like what's the sound i'll show you mine's not tuned um so you press down on these buttons i mean so it's gonna sound awful but <laughs> So if you hear those, that, that, um, Oh, I, I, yeah. I feel like I just like that. I could hear that somewhere in there. So if you, if you take, if you got rid of the attack of this and then just let it ring out. 
And then you take that, that little decay and you put loads of compression on it so it's really loud. And then you slow it down, you'll get this incredible texture um, that, that kind of ebbs and flows. And it just like, it, it feels familiar because it's like an acoustic instrument, but it feels uh -huh. alien because you've treated it. Uh, and they said, this is what I love to do. So you just, you know, you spend hours doing that playing around with that, putting it through pedals, sending uh -huh. it out to tape, slowing the tape down, playing it back through pedals, you know. So I don't know what I'm going to end up with. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, well, let's see where this takes me. Um, and you do that, and then somehow you make a score for a movie. <laughs> oh, man. The, w the way I did the, I think, 11-minute film that I'm working on is I just... I was just given like the second cut and I just made the score along to the cut. Mm -hmm. and that was it. <laughs> and then sent that, got notes. I, I was, I had to move a lot of the cues and stuff around because the, the later cuts, like the 12th, 13th, 14th cuts were like way different than the second one. So the timing was off. But yeah. I just did it like, as like I scored like two watching the film completely without any temp music or anything like that. And that's been how do you find that radical going in, going in raw going in silent i'm learning a lot about the difference between headphones uh <laughs> desk speakers phone speakers and computer speakers because <laughs> mm. i've used a lot of bass and like <laughs> if it's on the desk like the whole room just goes <laughs> and then if it's on the phone you just hear like yeah so I'm, I'm really learning how to like find the levels for the different instruments because stuff small stuff that i throw in just to have like a little bit of texture you won't hear it at all because the bass just consumes it so yeah i'm learning a lot i've never scored before or made this much music at once even kind of so i'm learning a lot and rapidly yes is it is it definitely like a baptism by fire when, when you're doing that kind of stuff because i don't know about you but <clears throat> i was so wrapped up in um making sure that rose was happy you know it's my first film you know and i'm like okay well here's what i think serves best for the yeah. film and you don't want to be too precious because you know it's their film yeah and you want to make sure that you're serving the film as best as as, as possible, uh, I, I I my my foundation is in advertising, um, music for adverts, mm. and you have to learn very quickly to have a thick skin when someone's mm. like, "Oh no, I can't. No, this is rubbish. Mm. You need to make it sound like this," and you've spent six hours making the best drum and bass track you've ever made, you know, and and they're like, "No, it's trash." And <laughs> I remember the first time that happened, I was inconsolable like I, I i was mortally wounded and then you realize like hold on this is for like you know some chewing gum advert like who gives a crap you know it doesn't matter uh, and that really like hardened me to the feedback process where you get the feedback and they're like no it's all wrong yeah you know there's a, there's the one second of where you're being stabbed in the heart but the rest mm. is like okay no they're right because it's their film and they're the director yeah and so much of it is just you're like 
we'll see if this works like it may not be right at all we'll see we'll see yeah. if that's what they want like i i added i added these soft voices at the very end which like is totally different from the vibe of the rest of the movie which is mostly just like bass and drone and a couple of strings here and there and it's just like we'll see if that works <laughs> we'll hope yeah. that works well, how'd you do the the choir voices by the way that's a spitfire patch the um the um, Eric Whitaker, that incredible um, choral master, he, he's made a, it was extraordinarily expensive. It's like one of the most expensive pieces of software I've ever bought. How much is it? It's like 500 quid. That's a, um, that's a pretty penny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I had to have a, an entire separate hard drive because it's so big. <laughs> <Holy> shit. <laughs> it's so big. And, um, but it's, one of the most i basically never use it because i i don't know how to but it is so incredibly evocative like the the range of voices um, and sounds in it uh-huh. are astonishing um so it's a patch in there and there was reticence you know i mentioned this in the video to use like these choir voices because it's so obviously yeah you know church sounding uh-huh it's so of um it immediately takes you to a religious place and you kind of Mm. don't want to go there but um luckily rose kept it in um that's so yeah that's that it's an amazing incredible vst i mean a lot of the spitfire stuff is i highly recommend it cool so uh what's what's god got to do with your life how does God fit into your life? I see a little candle over there on your, on your keys. That's a Saint Maud candle. That's um, sick. I, I, I got that when I went in for the interview. Uh, <laughs> they gave me a little Saint Maud candle. I lit That's it sick. once. Um, I think. Um, I think I lit it on the day that we we screened our first festival. Uh-huh. Uh, I've never lit it again since. <laughs> um, God in my life. Well, you know, I was I was raised in a Catholic primary school, and then I went wow. to a Catholic um, private school for two years. Um, but then we ran out of money. I had to go to state school. Mm. It was very expensive those places. Um, and I don't know why those Catholic schools have got such a better education rate. And everywhere else in the UK. So I was raised very much, you know, my, my, my grandmother is incredibly religious um, so we, and, and Polish as well. So, you know, we, we did Polish mass on Sunday. Mm. Um, so I have, when I think of church, I think of an incredibly boring, sonorous <laughs> voice echoing across um, the cathedral. Um, yeah. Um, holy, holy. Yeah, exactly. So I've always had that upbringing, and but I've never, I've never been a believer in, at least not uh, in the Judeo-Christian God. Uh-huh. I was always far more interested in um, multi, multi deity. You know, like not monotheistic religions, things that had loads of gods especially especially like greek gods which were yeah. so much more human in their fallibility you know uh-huh. like 
Zeus going around fucking everyone and then like shit. <laughs> I've got to like turn this guy into a peacock and <laughs> he's banging my wife and like it's like it's it's a mess, you know, and it makes uh, so much more sense uh-huh. um than being like, oh yeah, there's this like one mega dude. Yeah. Who, especially with like Christianity has so many factions it has like a hundred or so if not more variations and deviations yeah. from the same theme um it just doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. but apart from that you know I, god doesn't feature too heavily in my life other than uh an expletive yeah i was also raised catholic so i i definitely understand the vibe of a a catholic mass yeah, and I love, you know, ceremony, all of that shit. It's so, like, bombastic and incredible. And It's pageantry, then, like, man. We love pageantry. Right? And it's cool, you know? Like, I love rituals. Like, it's... Oh, uh, like holding yeah. bread out. Like, whoa. It's meant, but it's trippy as fuck. And, like... I tell you what, man, that's one of the things I'm most excited for is to go to church. Because I used to go to Catholic Mass, was bored out of my mind, and then around 13, 14, 15, I was like this whole Christian God guy, it's not really <laughs> oh my bag. Doesn't make much sense to me. So then for <laughs> about, you know, five, six years, I was like, not atheist. I still felt like there was something going on around here. Don't know what there's something happening. Like I'm alive. Um, but like just one, one dude, one creator didn't vibe with me. And then like, now I'm in this place where I just think it's all super far out all of the religions, all of the pageantry. Cause I used to like, I would judge Christianity. I'd be like, well, that's Absolutely. stupid. Like those yeah. masses so dumb. Like they're just sitting there like a bunch of zombies. But now I'm like, well, I can go and do my thing, you know, and just watch it all and just, and just enjoy it all. So I can't wait to go and just be like, wow, this is like sick. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's trippy. It is trippy. That's a good word. Like I went to a, I didn't go to mass for probably like four or five years. And then I went to a Catholic wedding I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic wedding. Oh, loads. Too many. So, yeah, I didn't know what the vibe was going to be. And then I found out that it's just Catholic mass. <laughs> and yeah. then they throw a little wedding in at the very end there. They sprinkle a little bit of, of wedding. Yeah. Like there's the book, there's the songs, there's a proverb read. And then the guy's like, by the way, these yeah. two folks. BT dubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was weird for me because I was still kind of in my like, definitely judgmental phase in so i was like wow i it had never felt more like a cult to me before but just seeing like some guy just going blah, 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 and then everybody goes blah, 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 and i was just like whoa like does anybody here know what they're saying is anybody actually like hearing what's well, going no, on well no absolutely it's yeah they're just they're in the moment and it works for them and if it works yeah, for them, yeah. that's fine you know and i think i'm totally with you like i went from being um, atheist to being anti-theist you know mm. like if you believe in god then that's like bad to being relatively agnostic uh-huh. and now i'm like you know i flip between all three yeah uh, depending on what hour of the day it is <laughs> and uh but yeah i'm with you man you know i i tell you what i love churches like you know that's where beautiful. I'm like, it's just so stunning you know like they're absolutely. so psychedelic dude that's yeah. the thing like when you look at the stained glass and the giant paintings it's like you guys see what i'm looking at here like this stuff is so far out it's just bananas the things that have been done good or bad 
in the name of God is, is astonishing like uh, CV of, of human ingenuity <laughs> and madness. You know? Human's resume for... Yeah, it's like amazing and then also like horrific genocide on the other side. You know, I was, just... I was just making a joke to my friends last night because one of my non-Catholic friends for some reason was like, I really want to go to Catholic Mass. I'm just missing like the aesthetic of Catholic Mass. <laughs> which, we, which we just thought was funny and so i was just joking i was like let's bring back like real catholicism like let's kill people in the name of god again yeah, what are we doing? Go, oh, gee. yeah you got you got you got to pick your flavor though you know you get, <laughs> that's the thing there's so much to choose from are you like, familiar with the sculpture the ecstasy of saint Teresa? uh no i can pull it up real quick ecstasy of saint Teresa. Okay. Oh, wow. So, so what we got, what we got going on here? So this is a sculpture that was made in, I don't know, like the 1600s or something. And that I thought of that sculpture a lot while I was watching St. Maud because what's happening there is she's being touched by, you know, an angel or the God divinity. But there's this like look on her face that's not like... Like if you can see her face, it's not explicitly yeah. good or bad. It's, it's just like this... a, a tired ecstasy. Yeah, it's just this like. Uh... But also, and there's I... this guy holding a spear, like <laughs> ready, ready to stab, just in case. You never know. Well, it's based on an engraving. Wow. So I thought of her face a lot while I was watching Saint Maud when she was having her like gasping like orgasmic moments. I was, yeah. I was thinking of the ecstasy of St. Teresa where it's like, she's in this weird space where she's feeling, she's just feeling the, uh, no. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, the, there's an ambiguity in, in the film where you're like, it's all consuming and you can't tell if it's or at, you know, simultaneously sexual uh, and also uh, painful. You know, there, there's, there's almost like a, all-consuming fear that yeah. comes with it but yeah it's somewhat pleasurable and i think it's almost it's quite yeah it's absolutely like similar this mm. kind of ecstasy of god that in the also... the little angel is just smiling like hey yeah it's classic cherub isn't it just like classic cherubs such a classic those cherub damn cherubs ah <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah um, all right, man. Well, I think we got a. Uh, I think we got enough content here for an yeah, episode. Yeah, dude. I mean, amazing. What well, definitely the most philosophical interview I have had to date. Thank you for not asking the same questions over and over again. <laughs> People say that to me all the time. If uh, to be totally honest, when I do an interview, I usually don't look up anything other than like the name, what they've done, and I do read like any interviews that have been done before just to make sure that I don't repeat anything. But I just go into it like. Let's see what happens. Let's see what we talk about. And like people like you were so beautiful and rad because like you were just like ready to talk, you know, like you were receptive, just sort of like ready to chill out. But some people kind of want the same question interviews, funny enough. Well, yeah, because you got it pre-locked and loaded and you just like bam, bam, yeah, bam. Like, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you want to know? Uh, I made this here and I made that there. And there I mean, go. I've, got, I, I've got my little cheat sheet that I always have. So I, have to, so I look down and be like, yes, let me tell you all about 
So yeah. this day I did this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all they want to know. But it's nice just to yeah have a conversation with a stranger who is interesting. So thank you for that. Of course, man. I'll definitely keep in touch. Um, I've got yeah, an, man. I've got an interview with somebody else from the movie, Ben Fordsman. You know oh, that? he's the DOP. Yeah, yeah. I I get to talk to him soon. So I'll probably publish um our episode these two episodes together as one big nice Saint Maud. He's got, a, he's got a lot of great knowledge about film and stuff. So if you if you can get him rocking on a on a subject he's um interested in, he 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 will he's got some great things to say. Really very talented, lovely man. Cool man. Take it easy, bro. Love to speak to you, man. You too, brother.